Then as my, do- my oldest started getting aware of technology, I realized what a lonely place it is and how much opportunity there is to misstep and to be ostracized or bullied or left out. And I'd wanted to create something where people were invited. This is A New Angle, and I'm your host, Justin Angle, marketing professor at the University of Montana. This podcast is my chance to speak with cool people doing awesome things in and around the great state of Montana. We are proudly underwritten by First Security Bank and Blackfoot. Hey folks, welcome back and thanks for tuning in. Today we bring you one of Missoula's finest, Molly Bradford. Molly seems to be everywhere. She is involved and engaged in so many aspects of our community. Her software venture, Gatherboard, powers MissoulaEvents.net and similar community calendars for a surprisingly wide variety of clients. Events are such an integral part of how communities connect, and it's nice to think about in-person events right now. Molly and I dig into the dynamics of her business and her unique view of how technology can be used to foster human connection. Molly's work helps drive the culture of this community and many others, and I'm excited for you to learn more about her right now. Oh, and be sure to listen all the way to the end for some key insights on bathroom advertising. Molly's an expert on that as well. Okay, so we're here today with Molly Bradford. Molly, thanks for finally coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. And when I say finally, I take complete responsibility for that. I've dragged my heels in trying to get this to happen, so it's happened. I actually canceled on you once, too, so... I may have canceled on you. I almost canceled on you today. Yeah, you were coming in hot, in your words, from Sealy Lake. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a place you want to run out of wiper fluid. Or <laughs> or traveling to, from Sealy Lake to Missoula is not a place or time you want to run out of wiper fluid. Not when there's snow melt on the road. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Mm-mm. No. Yeah, I don't normally go to Sealy Lake, but I snuck in a meeting. Nice. Yeah, it was good. Well, um, where do we start? You, I mean... I could list, it would probably be easier to list the organizations in this town that you're not involved with. That would take less time. I don't know about that. Uh, you're a woman about town. I see you everywhere. Um, what do you not do? <laughs> What's on your list that you don't do that you want to start doing? Oh, goodness. There are a lot of things that I don't do. And I see you around town, so you're a man about town. So uh, I suppose. So t- tap your own hat on that one. Well, I was just finishing a book on Audible recently about making money and wealth Mm -hmm. and the mindset behind all of that. And as a former triathlete and marathon runner, I realized that if I applied the same discipline that I did to races, to wealth or my current job or parenting, really anything, I'd probably have amazing outcomes. Mm. Not to say that I don't have good outcomes because I feel pretty great about my track record, but I realize that it's normal in some places to have a coach and a plan and discipline, and it tends to be something I think more of as a physical pursuit opposed to more of like a mental or a vocational pursuit. Mm -hmm. And I think that people are afraid of talking about money sometimes, and women in general are trying to figure out, right, equal pay and C-suite and CEO and funding and all these things. So I'm really kind of obsessed with it right now. And I don't want it to be a dirty word or a dirty concept. And I, my motivation is very altruistic as well. Mm -hmm. I already am involved in a lot of organizations and I would love to have the uh, generosity at the level that I have with time. I'd like to have that level with money. 
Yeah, and that takes um, a, a transparency that doesn't currently exist. I mean, one of the things I, I, I've learned, just observing the way organizations work, it almost seems as if the organization wants that opacity, right? It wants to it wants to create this taboo about its employees talking about how much they're compensated and whatnot, and, mm-hmm. and employees sort of feel that. And I think it doesn't serve anyone. No. I mean, if we're colleagues and I know how much you get paid, that helps me negotiate. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's a lot of fear that it will make people feel angry or there'll be animosity. Yeah. And there will certainly there would certainly be a icky period mm-hmm. because it's a change. Yep. And and that can be real awkward. I remember when I had a new sales manager at the Missoula Independent, the mm-hmm. former alt weekly. I'm gonna just wipe my tears for a minute okay. on that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but th- I really grew up there. I was a ad rep there for eight years. And I remember this new manager came in and every week at our sales meeting, he showed everyone, everybody, everyone's numbers, how they did the previous week and, right. and your next four weeks. And then your quarters were laid out. And at first, I just wanted to barf in my mouth a little bit like oh my god everyone can see that I didn't make my numbers or but then I was like well but I can see everyone and I'm really focused on my number and you know what happened was I became the highest grossing rep that they had when I was there like it turned out to be something really great for me those numbers were motivating yeah it turned out to be motivating because it was so transparent and that was the first time money was really talked it wasn't salaries like you and I were just saying, sure. but it was money because I was on commission, straight mm-hmm. commission. So mm-hmm. it was really salary. Yeah. Really, I mean, you could derive from those sales numbers what how was much going on. everybody was making. But then it became a thing like, oh, I'm so close. I can do that. I can make <laughs> those five extra cold calls. Yeah. I can smile and dial that. I can upsell that person. I can be unapologetic about my rates. Um, I, I'm actually this good. I deserve these rates. Like I started to have this totally different relationship with myself, with money, about sales, like all sorts of things. And so that was really cool. I'm starting to think as you lay that out there, like you talked about the discipline that you brought to your triathlon and marathon training. And there's a similar dynamic in that very transparent. I mean, everybody knows how you did in a race. Either they're at the race or they see the results. Uh, you're watching your splits all the time in the race and training and all that. Does, does that sort of transparency of the of the metrics maybe contribute to the, the to that focus? I think it does, and I think then you know you see all these people talking about getting coaches or being in mastermind groups and whether they're formalized or at ad, ad hoc. Uh-huh. There's sometimes that I'm like, ugh, I don't want one more thing to do or pay for. But then yeah. when I go back to the whole discipline of an athlete. They are totally with a coach and they are totally with a trainer and they probably have multiple coaches yeah. and they're getting, you know, massage and they're doing mental training they and, they, and they have nutrition. I mean, like nutrition was crazy when I had an 18 month old and did a half Ironman that that the discipline of yeah. a full time job being a mom. That. Do, that's crazy. And I was just thinking about that, like, wow, I did some crazy stuff like, oh, I got this. I just need the same discipline. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what are you changing in your professional life? Well, so I think I'm going to, well, because I'm changing my location for a little while, I'm actually anticipating that I'm going to have more white space that in Missoula when I'm involved in all these different organizations, whether it's, you know, having interns or mentoring or being mentored or volunteering or with at my kid's school, whatever, with that white space, I'm going to buckle down on a bunch of 
discipline as it re- relates to the wealth of or the f- gross profits of my company and myself. So my when family. Pe- yeah, when people listen to this, you will be in Mexico, mm-hmm. right? You and your family are mm-hmm. embarking on a semester abroad. Semester abroad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell us about the motivation to do that. Well, I started taking foreign language in public school in sixth grade. That was really rare 30 years ago. Yeah. And I studied. I did Where did you grow up? In Milwaukee. Milwaukee. I did an exchange in high school mm-hmm. in the summer. And my host sister, who's Bavarian, is married to an Italian, and she's still my sister. And then I studied abroad at the University of Salzburg in college. Okay. You were a student at the University of Vermont. University of Vermont. studying math and German. Mm-hmm. And so, well, yeah, semester in Salzburg? Year. Year. Awesome. My dad had done a semester in Vienna a really long time ago. And okay. he said, if you don't go for the whole year, I won't help you go. Interesting. Yeah, he felt like you needed that long to get the... I already was basically fluent in German, but mm-hmm. I needed that long to get... The language, the culture, I was taking international business classes, which was totally not related to my major, but was awesome. Uh-huh. And he really wanted me to travel to places where I didn't speak the language and was uncomfortable and f- just fend for myself, which was great. I was 20. Yeah, totally immersive. Yeah, I traveled a lot. And my mom had never been to Europe, so she was an art teacher, and she a substitute art teacher, and she would send me URL passes with postcards. to. Vi- she would tell me, I'm vicariously living through your travels. Okay. And then she came to visit. Oh, wonderful. My parents came, yeah. So it was pretty amazing, yeah. actually. So all along, I knew if I had kids, I would want to travel. And I wanted to learn more languages, and I wanted to, I thought I would maybe work internationally or do something, and it didn't happen. And so then when I realized I had this opportunity with my kids and my job's fairly mobile, I spent the last three years implementing a bunch of tech tools to streamline that, and here we go. Here we go. Press go. Do it. All you just need is connection. Yeah. Right. And I got internet. So, so. where in Mexico? Manzanillo is the city. Yeah, where's that? It's about five hours south of Puerto Vallarta. Okay. It is the largest Pacific shipping port or last time I checked in Mexico. Interesting. It's not a gigantic city, but it is a real working Mexican port city. Uh-huh. And my kids are going to a bilingual school. And did you choose this? Yeah. Why did you choose this particular place? My uncle, my dad's brothers had a place down there for 35 or 40 years. Yeah. And we have visited off and on. And uh, five years ago, we went for a month. Okay. And we started meeting more people deeply. Yeah. And they said, oh, have you ever thought about bringing your kids to school? And most of them were older, my parents' age. But one guy said, my granddaughter, and his granddaughter was there at the time, and she and my daughter had befriended each other, and they still keep in touch. And he said, she, her mom was going back to law school, so she just came down here and went to this school. Sure. So we visited the school five years ago. So that's actually when the dream started. And how old are your kids now? Six and a half, first grader, 13, seventh grader. Yeah, and, and how do they feel about this? They're both a little nervous. Uh-huh. The 13-year-old has more anxiety, social anxiety, all that sort of stuff about missing friends. But I think because they have both been to this area multiple times, right, right. they know the condo, they know where we go swimming in the sea, they know where we grocery shop, they have like a favorite hamburger or restaurant, you know. Um, that's a little easier. 
And my husband's coming back and forth. His job isn't quite as flexible, although they are being very generous with vacation. Mm -hmm. So I'll be down there for a couple weeks getting them into school and doing all that. And we like we just found an open water swim team on Facebook. Oh, super. And they swim on the swim so they team got here. they stuff to do, and they're going to so, fall into their people. Yeah, and bring in soccer cleats and yeah. a clarinet and Great. goggles. Yeah, and you're good to go. <laughs> Figure it out. Anyway, so let's transition a bit. Um, you know, if, if people want a sort of a deep dive into the mechanics of Gatherboard, y- your business, um, you, you just did uh, an appearance on the Can Do podcast, and, and it pretty, does a pretty deep uh, interrogation of how that business works. Um, I'd like to talk about just that space in general, you know, the advertising space. How did you, I mean, you worked in advertising with the independent. What was the thought process of, of becoming an entrepreneur from that point? Yeah. So I went from there to newwest.net, which was an online news journal okay. based here in Missoula. It was started by a guy, Jonathan Weber, who was actually a visiting journalism professor, Mm -hmm. the Pollard... Polner. Polner. Yeah, yeah. Polner Scholar. Polner Scholar. Yeah. So he uh, loved Missoula. He really could have started this anywhere. It was lucky for us. And it was an early venture fund. Mm -hmm. And they covered... It was the first online-only news journal, maybe ever, but definitely in the West. And it was a model for some bigger ones that are still successful. what, What year was this about? Oh man. Okay. Elizabeth is thirteen, and she was one and a half. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So fairly, not necessarily early, but in the middle of like this big transition of media from from print to digital. Yeah, like it was just going online. The independent was just reiterating their second web website right, right. version, and and it had like a new online rate card, but it was very foreign. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, what was happening was. In that early place, the internet was really fractured. Yeah. There were too many calendars. There was very confusing about where to advertise. There were so many places to get info. I think people didn't understand at the time that you would end up specializing in something you were pretty good at and then collaborating with partners. It People still felt like it was a finite resource and there was like a land grab and there was okay. a scarcity mentality, but really... I think a lot of abundance has come out of it. Yeah. So it was interesting. And advertising was confusing. And in Montana, it was interesting because people, um, I felt in more rural areas that I interacted with, not just in Montana, but other places, were much more skeptical of being on the internet. In general or advertising on the internet? Advertising, yeah. like who, who, who's reading it? Like who are those people that click? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> right, not realizing that, oh, wait a second, now we can measure all that. We yeah. We can tell you exactly who's clicking. But then people didn't really know what the measurements meant. Correct. Right, and what the yeah, value yeah. was. And yeah. I didn't, I was constantly mm-hmm. relearning. That's emergent. Constantly relearning. Yeah. 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 So that's been pretty interesting. Okay, so you're with this, this um, you know, new online journal. So the in, the real estate boom and bust happen in the West, okay. and New West flames way up and does this awesome stuff and breaks stories, and then they flame way out because there's no one left to pay. Yep. Right? It's like just no what money. What do we do? What do we do? So Colin Hickey and I had started stuff. Uh-huh. 
he had a buyback clause. We took the MissoulaEvents.net and community sites that he had started, and they incubated there, and we bought a couple. We bought them back. There were just a couple. Yeah, and he was developing that sort of in the music venue space, right? Exactly. Sort of help, help people sort out what who's playing where and when and overlap and stuff like that. Yeah, so he was super early yeah. in that um, music space in Missoula, and his brother, who's a IT guy, said, oh, do more of a community thing and the new west said oh we want these community hubs all across the west can we use your platform okay colin did a buyback clause i ended up there then as new west sunsetted out colin exercised the buyback clause and said hey you know how to run all this like numbers advertising side i do the logistics let's do it together so it was a fun side job and then within a couple years when everyone was figuring out how to monetize online Mm -hmm. people realized that if you when you have all the eyeballs, then you can charge for them. And if you have the community calendar, if you're the community hub, if you're the heartbeat. If you're the place people are going. Then you have the eyeballs. Yeah. And calendars are an eyeball machine. Yeah, let's talk about that market, actually. It's it really seems, nutty right now. Yeah, wacky. And, you know, I guess the ultimate question is, like, why isn't all calendar traffic on Facebook? You know, there's monopoly power in tech right now. Why is why isn't it not like why don't you just post it to one place? What what is yeah. the advantage of having a community oriented calendar that's specific to a community? My experience on Facebook and with other calendars yeah. solutions because there's a lot. Yeah, uh, is first not everyone's on Facebook. You have to choose to have a login. Yep, and then you have to. You probably won't be exposed to an event unless you like that business. Or oh, if, yeah. You won't get served with that in your news feed. If you haven't indicated, it might be interesting to and you. And your right? geolocation plays a big part yep. right now of what you're fed. And if I suddenly travel to Manzanillo, yep. it's going to take a little while for my algorithm to start showing me Mexico and Manzanillo opposed to Missoula. Mm-hmm. So I have to go seek it out, which is fine. Um, but also... A lot. So there's people that aren't aren't on there. It's harder for tourists. They have changed some of the way their calendar is, and you can choose to scroll through events by you know geolocation and other things like that. But really, Facebook is something that you choose to be on and you're invited to. Gatherboard is like a newspaper where everyone's invited. Okay, open. It's open. Yeah, open door. And really, I should just say that is the biggest value. Our when we have mission, like a mission, yeah, it's that it's a tech for human connection. I so I don't want someone to just read something I posted or see a picture or hear there's an event. People are looking at those events because they want to go to them, and I want it's about getting people in the same room together. Yeah, I mean a particular type of human connection. It's not necessarily connection on a platform. It's connection no, 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 in like, person. Like you're getting people to go to an event to interact one on one with groups face to face. Yeah. That yeah. seems like a real core value to you. Huge. Yeah. yeah. In general, not just a gatherboard value. I mean, because a lot of, not many people think of tech as facilitating that type of human connection. No, they so don't. So this is a particular take. And how did, how did you kind of arrive at, at the, the notion that you could use technology to facilitate that human connection? It was already pretty obvious to me that Missoula Events was on to something when it was just Missoula. Okay. And Bozeman and Boise, like this little trifecta. Uh, and that people wanted it. And they were, like, talking about it. 
And I was like, oh, huh. that's like my thing. Yeah. And I hear people talking about it. And then I, I started meeting people as Missoula's tech scene was growing and, you know, the residency program was coming in or, you know, other parts of the university were ebbing and flowing. And people would come in and say, oh, your website like saved us we found xyz my wife plugged in here my husband plugged in there he didn't have a job yet we found this fencing club for my kid i mean i'd get like teary-eyed at like the high-tech alliance because people would tell me this but i was like wow i'm onto something and then people from other parts of the country started finding our sites because we didn't realize they were little seo machines Mm. and they'd say i wish i had your site where i lived we don't have a nightlife calendar explain that a little bit more how are they seo machines search engine optimization yeah, sorry about that. So search engine optimization, the algorithms are constantly changing, but the core behind it is, you know, you have lots of regularly updated co- content. Well, it's constantly updated. It's community generated, yep. like massively. You have lots of in and out links and f- fairly strong links. Well, by virtue of a strong community calendar, you'd be li- linking in and out with other strong partners in your community, like a university or a chamber of commerce or downtown association, something like that. And also, uh, we had some really good advice early on for how we expressed the auto-generated URLs of each little event page, each little category page, each little thing like that, in addition to the auto-generated title tags. So we got some tips on playing the the game early. And, I mean, it is a real layering effect. No one turns on a website and it's got good ratings tomorrow. It's like a takes time. It's like a triangulate to it. Three to six months layering. You got to just be patient, but it is a bit of a machine. And our calendars had already been up for years, Mm -hmm. just like churning along with this huge archive. So your your sort of just product design is already kind of optimized for search. Yeah. Totally Structurally. Is. Yeah, and then we review that to make yeah, sure. Yeah, and then you can getting, kind of play yeah. within those mm-hmm. guardrails, but you're already set up for success in a lot of ways. Yeah, and each site that turns on is its own little small business or a companion to an existing company, yeah. and so it helps that them be successful mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I, I'm just like, as 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 we're laying out this sort of way ways of using technology to facilitate human interaction, it's so inspiring in a way, because you think of, what a lot of tech models are now, and that's disintermediate humans to the extent possible, or in some ways, disintermediate, disintermediate human connection. Like if you look at Uber, right? I don't know when the last time you took an Uber was. Fairly recently, but I'm one of those people who like chats with the Uber chats driver. Chats with the driver, but it's set up so that you don't really have to, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? You don't really have to pay. You pay all through the app. You can walk. Yeah, you're, you're almost being driven. Around. Well, I think that's Uber's plan, right, is that they're sort of betting that when driverless cars yeah. are ubiquitous, they're, well, and they've re- referred to their drivers as, as supply. I could go on this whole riff about totally. how corrupt and unethical Uber's business yeah. model is, but we're not going to do that here. A New Angle is brought to you by First Security Bank and Blackfoot, two cool companies doing awesome things all over Montana. Hi, I'm Nora Sachs. I'm the host and reporter of Richest Hill, a podcast from Montana Public Radio, and you're listening to A New Angle. Anyway, so I'm inspired by this um, yeah. notion of using tech for human connection. And, and to loop, so I like started seeing people just their eyes light up about how it helped them in Missoula. Um, anytime my family interacted with it, 
and I happen to have sites where some of my siblings live or my parents were here. I saw that it worked for teens, for seniors. It was easy to use. Yeah. So that's th- big. Then, as my dot, my oldest started getting aware of technology, I realized what a lonely place it is, mm-hmm. and how much opportunity there is to misstep and to be ostracized or bullied or left out. Yeah. And I'd wanted to create something where people were invited. Yeah. And where they're included. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you have this great sort of community-oriented mindset, a, a great product to facilitate that type of community. How do you monetize a product like that? I mean, it's, 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 it's a great service to the community, but it's got to pay the bills for you to keep doing it. Yeah. So Gatherboard itself, if someone wants a license, is a tiered monthly licensing fee based on annual agreement. Okay. And the pricing is also very much in line with our values. Mm-hmm. It's smaller communities pay less, but it's not like you're small and you also get less features. And when you say community, you're selling it into towns, municipalities, clubs, like who, what's a typical client or what's the portfolio of clients? Yeah, sure. So, for instance, in Sealy Lake today, there were seven different entities in the room actually trying to figure out who will be the right person to be the umbrella okay. of everyone. Okay. And so it often comes down to a community or economic development type organization. So chamber, CEE, sure, sure. Um, a media, so the newspaper, the radio station, something like that, mm-hmm. uh, if it's for a physical community, like a Missoula, right? So, uh, sometimes it's a one-off. It's just someone who knows that this is a good thing in their town, and yep. they want to just put it together, and they're already a community connector, mm-hmm. like a random Molly in another place or something like that. Yeah. And then also universities are often interested in them um, and university newspapers. And sometimes the university newspaper, like the Kaiman, is awesome here. And, and it's actually filling a, a void with the independent leaving. That's not uncommon. So often the university newspaper is like a great source of news and connection in the community, not just on campus. Yeah. And that's a really good customer. Mm-hmm. And then we have other people doing specialized calendars like – just a nightlife calendar or just a calendar for their community of architects and designers in a certain area or right, for right. deaf people in a certain area. We have one like that in Vancouver, Canada. Um, so, but, so you were asking me uh, what defines community and... Well, we were talking about, about I, I guess I was sort of getting into Oh, monetizing sales. it. Yeah, yeah, how do you monetize? So you sell these licenses so to the platform? Someone buys a license. Yeah. It's software as a service. Okay. And the platform goes, goes pretty deep. It's a freestanding platform. It's like a mini WordPress. Yep. So it comes with multiple pages and layers and modules. It's not a JavaScript plugin for an existing site. It's mm-hmm. its own site. Okay. And so someone buys it, and um, depending on the size of their community. And if it's a physical community, I use census. If it's a virtual community, I'll use some analytics that they have. Okay. They fall into one of our pricing tiers. Oh, got it. Based on the number of people that are presumably yeah. going to use it. Yeah, and their ability to monetize. Sure. Right? Okay, so yeah, that's the piece. So are the ads on these you know, various calendars... Does that ad revenue go to the community? Does that go to you? Is it split? How does that work? So the community chooses how they want to monetize the site. Okay. There's all sorts of opportunities in there. Some people don't want to monetize at all. Yeah. They turn the ads off. It's not even something they're interested in. Okay. Or they put something totally different in the ad container, like self-promotion or sure, know, sure. whatever. Whatever message they want to get Whatever message there. they want to get. Uh, most people 
do advertising. So uh-huh. they'll sell venue pages to bars or the library or the university or something, or they'll you know sell at direct advertising or mobile advertising, all sorts of different things like that. Right now, they choose how they're going to monetize it. That's their thing. One of the big things I'm drilling down on in my big money uh-huh. <laughs> self-exploration uh-huh. is figuring out not just a payment window, but an internal ad network, because a lot of the advertising networks out there that you would plug into Gatherboard are very confusing. They're a stumbling block to launch. Mm-hmm. And because these highly curated calendars have their own community they're operati- operating in, most of their advertisers are not super sophisticated global advertisers sure. that don't want yeah, geofencing like and day carding. Right? Yeah, you know, they don't like stuff. don't want any of that. Yep. They just want a straight... They want to sell hamburgers. Yeah, they just want haircuts. a straight campaign. Exactly. And so we're trying to figure out our own simple ad network with a payment window that would mm. kick a small percentage to gather board, but the majority of it to okay. the license holder. Okay. But that small percentage is actually a lot. Yeah. It'll I be would, a lot. I would think. And then yeah. do some do some clients actually sort of view the gather board um, subscription license as an operating expense for an ad business? Like are they trying to develop an ad business and they're just using a gather board as a substrate. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know that I've run into anyone that's strictly that way, okay. but there are definitely people who are already running, for instance, a business networking site mm-hmm. and they make a bunch of their money off of the, you know, a- like advertising and membership that yeah. comes in and they realize that this is a great companion to accelerating that mm-hmm. that end. Makes sense. Yeah. So this this custom sort of ad platform that you're you're thinking of developing uh, for your clients to utilize your platform better. Is that kind of the next phase of potential growth for a free gather board? Yeah, that's exactly it. It's that. And there's two or three other adver- ad ideas in there, okay. like okay. about aggregating event data. But it still needs to go through a filter that's curated by the license owner. Because okay. we've had a lot of people scrape gather board sites, and then they never... Well, first of all, they're just stealing your information because you created it yourself, which is really annoying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, if you're there isn't checking and rechecking, then often the data they scraped, if they think it's recurring, and what if that event stopped five years ago and they're yeah. still scra- yeah, whatever, it's so it's useless. And then it makes a bad calendar. So we're trying to figure out some input automation of events, but it still would go through a kind of a curation window. And then also, uh, even though I don't, always love Facebook. Um, we get asked a lot if after someone creates an event, whether it's the license holder or the community member, the end user, if they could um, push it to Facebook. Okay. So we're just figuring out even more streamlined relationships between ubiquitous apps, I yeah. guess I would yeah. say. Yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, playing well with others under yeah. certain terms. Under that in, are, in our values. Yeah, exactly. That's the key, right? <laughs> who, yeah. who owns the data and what happens to it and what yeah. gets shared. And yeah, and people press me a lot, per, current customers, prospective customers, potential investors, mm-hmm. just community members. They ask me a lot of questions. Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? You know, and I'm always like writing stuff down and, okay, I, I think I hear what you're saying, but I, but that doesn't feel like Gatherboard. But if I massage it this way now, it does feel like Gatherboard, yeah. you know. So it's tricky because I, Colin and Lori, who works for us, that's our team right now, we're like, we're very dedicated to the value of of human connection. Yeah. Um, we get asked all the time, why don't you have commenting and rating and thumbing upping and thumbing down, right, right. down of events, for instance? 
That's the big one. Mm-hmm. And I was like, do you know if everyone decides that this event is super cool and popular and loves this thing and thumbs it up and someone else puts their event on and it's fallen all the way to the bottom and no one ever sees it, what if we all missed out on this great opportunity just because we were in a popularity contest? And yep. so much thumbing up is just because your friend thumbed up. It's oh, not because yeah. you actually Contagion know. Contagion effects. And, all of that. And then the, the, goes, uh, the thumbs down goes in that same direction, too. Like, it gives license for people to just troll anonymously. And, well, and trolling and commenting requires a, a moderator. Yeah. And yeah. it is a, a lot to curate a calendar without moderating it. True. So we were like, nope, that doesn't meet our values, and that isn't about human connection. Yeah, and then I, I guess uh, events, too, are, are perishable, in the sense that so they have this big comment thread about an event that's happened six months ago. It's not, not useful. No, and then how long are you going to moderate the comments? Do you yeah, turn them off? At a yeah, I can't yeah. be moderating something that someone archived from five years right. ago. Right, good decision. I like it. And na- na- nasty, naughty pictures yeah, you, people put. You don't put. want that. Ugh. So, yeah. So a, a variety of ideas in the hopper for what's yeah. next. And I would imagine, like, based on which ideas you, you prioritize, that would dictate... You know, some of those you could self-fund, some you might have to go gain external funds for. I mean, I know the Gather Board was bootstrapped uh, with, with income from one of your other businesses we'll, we'll talk about perhaps. So how are you looking at growth and, and what's the right type of growth and who you want to bring into the family? So it's time for growth. Okay. It's on. It's go time. It's happening. It's happening. I mean, it is happening. I have had the craziest six weeks and the like uh, Canada must be in love with me right now because I think I get five inquiries a day from Canada yeah that's an exaggeration but I did get five inquiries this week from Canada which was awesome yeah and one from Sweden and it's it's like it's happening people like it it's working so I got to accelerate some of these ideas sure so some of this white space I hope that I'll have on this trip is to drill down on these numbers write the story figure out what it's really going to take what's my 18 to 24 month runway um, how can I get that done? And then that will dictate what's the number. Is it self-funded? Is it, you know, do I have a rich uncle? Is it friends, family, and fools? Is it angel? Is it VC? Yeah. So I've also luckily in Montana have lots of friends and out of Montana and my family in all those spaces. And in the last month have had dozens of conversations. Good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing my homework. Do you have any sort of, well, I mean, you're very mission-driven. How do you sort of approach you know, giving up slices of the business, giving up equity potentially, and, and vetting partners in that, in that, uh, in those choices. I think I really believe in Colin and I. Mm-hmm. We're smart and we're a good judge of character. And I think that we'll we'll write out all the stuff we need to. We'll send it out to our advisors. Some of those advisors might be potential funders. They will ask us a lot of hard questions. You know, we'll revise. And I really believe that when we're in that room pitching, whether it's to a bank or an angel or VC or, you know, your rich uncle, uh, you'll know. It's it's uh, what Paul Gladen said to me once uh, when we were talking about funding. He said, you know, it's like you're interviewing someone to that you're going to date or be yeah, your spouse. Yeah. Like, you'll know if you have a good vibe. Mm-hmm. And so... I thought, oh, yeah, so much about Gatherboard is about human connection. So I'm just going to have that same attitude sure. about funding. And if there's a good connection and we agree, then no problem. That makes good sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I want to pivot the conversation slightly um, 
being that you are a woman about town involved in all these organizations, powerhouse, million cups, uh, you do a ton here at the College of Business uh, and the university in general, downtown association, um, Hellgate Venture Network. What am I missing? What are the, what are the other ones? I, I wouldn't say oh, – okay, it would be a mistake to say that I'm actively involved in all of those yeah, organizations. Yeah, but you, you show up. Uh, to some of them, I pick and choose. And some of them I've been very involved with in the beginning and maybe help get started and then I, you know, step away or whatever. Yeah, so as an engaged citizen of yeah. Missoula – um, seeing the growth that's happening in the downtown corridor in particular, some of the employers that are just just hiring away and building. And, yeah, downtown is changing. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? How's it going? I like it. Yeah. Okay. I'm, in, I'm into it. Yeah. I also 10 or 12 years ago participated in downtown master planning. Mm-hmm. And then this past right? year when we did a whole year of charrettes, I showed up. So – what I realized was if I don't like the way something's going, or I do, and there's all these meetings, and I don't show up and get self-educated, get the right story, and then know the right way to vote, right, with my literal vote or my yep. dollar or my influence, writing yep. a letter to someone who is the, who is the actual voter or my network, well. yeah, whether it's city council or the mayor or the, a board or whatever, uh, then I then I if I don't show up I I can't complain. I I really can't. I'm not even really allowed to have an opinion. Totally. So I show up. Yeah. When it's important to me. Absolutely. That's, so you've that's shown the up bottom line. And you've expressed <laughs> your opinion. And you like what's happening. I'm pretty into it. Talk about that. Well, I mean, you've been in Missoula what 20, 20, 20 plus years mm-hmm, now. Yeah. yeah. Twenty one. Twenty one and a half. Who's counting? Uh, no, twenty one years. So. I there's a lot of stuff that's changing and there are things that I don't love. Mm-hmm. I'm sad about people who don't have housing. Yeah. I'm sad about people who don't have access to food. Yeah. I'm I I get bummed out about how expensive childcare is. And I mean it was like really hard for my husband and I. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about those things I try to think about them as I think about, hey, what's happening in our downtown corridor, yeah. right? Or I, I luckily have some really good friends that work, you know, whether it's in public health or at the food bank or whatever, and I just I get the right information or I ask them how I can advocate for them. Sure. How can I use my privilege to advocate for mm-hmm. them, for the people with the least privilege? So I said to my daughter the other day, 13, I said, hey, we didn't choose our DNA, but we do have to choose what we do with it. Right. Really, that's the bottom line. And I was kind of raised the same way. So I, I, I'm really excited. For instance, when I hear that this former MCPS school um, is becoming a childcare center. Yeah. Like that's amazing, and right. that's not in the downtown corridor, but that's totally going to affect that. It's adjacent. Yeah. And also, everyone who works downtown doesn't live downtown. Correct. So it's totally helpful. Yep. To that area of town. Well, I look at the library and that family that donated the library to the city. I can't wait to see what happens there. I personally think there's an opportunity for early childhood So the old library site. Yeah. Yeah, once the new library's open. Yeah, that would be an interesting conversation Mm -hmm. um, to see where that, what's happening there. So basically, I just think about who needs to come live, work, and play downtown for it to be vibrant, and how do we make it accessible and friendly? And I try, it's a similar lens to Gatherboard, really. Yeah, yeah. And I just try to think through that lens when I show up and ask questions and then advocate. Are there any things in particular that you'd like to see happen? 
I think we need to figure out how to make housing more affordable yeah. and accessible. Yeah. Um, and mixed. Well, I think the hip strip has a huge opportunity, our area of downtown just south of the river, mm-hmm. because there are weird, interesting spaces that I think could be used better uh, and just allow things to be more accessible. And I really love that the senior center is there. And so that's the other thing that I'll do is um, I'm not always afraid to be awkward or uncomfortable. I went with some friends that I play Scrabble with, and we played bingo at the senior center one night instead. Because sure. I thought, well, if it's important to me that the seniors are here, shouldn't I actually know what they got going on? That makes sense. So yeah. I got to show up. Yeah. Was it awkward? No, and it was really fun. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I'm totally going to go back. Did you win any money? No, but some people in my group did. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's nice. But... No, it was awesome. <laughs> it was really fun. Awesome. So, Molly, um, I guess I got one more question for you. Should I buy a urinal ad or a stall ad? Oh. Hmm. Well, who is your current – what what is your what do your demographics show that your current listenership is? Well, if you're asking, I don't have gender information. Um, what does your gut tell you, or your word of mouth? What does your community? Well, tell I mean, you? I guess I wonder which is more effective. The stall ad is far away. The urinal ad, it's like in your face. Like it's hard for me to look at other things. But a urinal ad, urinal ad is only in your face for a man. A stall ad is Correct. in your face for a woman. Or if you're in a unisex bathroom, yep. then a stall ad is applicable to both genders. And so my question for you is who are you trying to attract? Everybody. Then I would get. I would specifically choose locations that have unisex bathrooms, and I would ask for locations near the hand, near the sink, or in the stall. I love it. How do I, how do I do that? We're, okay, so we're, we're, I'm sort of <laughs> indirectly referencing Molly's other business, Missoula Indoor Ads, which is totally the opposite of owning a tech business, and it's amazing, and it's awesome. I mean, it's 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 simple and it works. Mm-hmm. And right? the, and the more tech allows us all to be out of our office, literally, the more effective the bathroom ads are. Because people are yeah. at the gym and at a cafe and at a brewery. I mean, there's so much time. They're working at coffee shops. Oh, yeah. They're doing all this. Yeah. Yeah. It's how, do you, how do you – I mean, just the all the questions you just asked me about my objectives with, with this potential ad made me think about like, oh, yeah, you actually have much more kind of knowledge of the customer you're reaching through this medium than you might ordinarily think. Oh, yeah. People like to – Poo-poo it, no pun intended. Nice, I like that. I, that was really an accident, I promise. Yeah, that, that's not happened before. First time no, you've workshopped that material. No. Nice. Totally like first it. time. But, but oh, you know what? I would love to do stand-up comedy once, and so I'm going to work that into okay. my head. I like it. So, you can workshop your material anytime here, Molly. Totally. So I uh, people do downplay it, but the fact of the matter is, what er- what's your demographic? What area of town? Who you're trying to reach? Yeah. Are they male or female? Does it matter? How old are they? I-, I take it just as seriously as I do a gatherboard customer, just as seriously as I did as a large campaign at the Independent, for m- multiple reasons. Number one, because what is the point of me doing it if I'm not going to do a good job and take Correct. it seriously? Yeah. Don't do anything you're not willing to do well. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, and second of all, because there are a lot of really good questions to ask, do you want power moms? Okay. Bitter Gymnastics, Mismo Gymnastics, yeah. Missoula Indoor Soccer Arena, Spectrum. Do you want college students? Like Badlander, Union Club, sure. Alison Vick. Sure. You know what I mean? So yep. it's legit. 
It's totally legit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're going to work. We're going to do this. Okay, good. Let's do it. All right. Uh, Molly, best of luck. And uh, we're excited to catch up with you mid-semester. And, uh, yeah, thanks for coming in, sharing your story. Thanks for all the awesome stuff you do in this community, but also to support what we're trying to do for our students here. Uh, it's really inspiring. Well, thanks for the opportunity to come in. And I will just say, Gather Word would be nothing without your students. Well, there They're you amazing. Go. Yeah. We're going to keep uh, trying to make more of them. Good. Thanks, Molly. Thank you. Okay, so fun talking to Molly and learning more about Gatherboard. I hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't used MissoulaEvents.net yet, you should. Check it out. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. And we're coming to you from Studio 49, a gift from University of Montana alums Michelle and Lauren Hansen. And remember that A New Angle is supported by CED, Consolidated Electrical Distributors. These guys pretty much sell anything electrical you would ever need, but they also hire a ton of our students. If you want to learn more about jobs at CED, visit cedcareers.com. Before we go, I want to thank some important peeps, executive producer Stefan Borsum, and interns Aspen Runkle and Max Gibson. Huge thanks to VTO, Jeff Ament, and John Wicks for the tunes. And finally, props to Jeff Meese, our master of all things sound. Finally, if you have any questions, suggestions, comments, insults, whatever, please email me at anewangle at umontana.edu. Help us spread the word, and be sure to use the hashtag anewangle when you do. Thanks a lot, and see you next time.